Our text for today is going to be 1 Corinthians 11, 17 to 34. If you guys want to follow along. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another one gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in, or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. Verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which I do for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you drink this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. About these other things, I will give directions when I come. This is the word of the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We know, Lord, it cuts into our hearts with a, like a double-edged sword, Lord, and we cannot um, fully understand it but you reveal yourself through your word uh, little by little and there are so many layers of wisdom help us lord to be attentive and let your word go into our hearts to fulfill the purpose that you have intended it for for these individuals in this building on this particular day and um, let my words be that i speak be yours and not mine holy spirit we thank you for being with us and for being here in jesus name amen all right the basics, right? The Lord instituted two ordinances, um, two symbolic actions for believers to participate in. And the first one is baptism, which we've, you know, all know about. It's an outward sign, outward sign of the new covenant, um, and it represents death to sin when you go under the water, and then when you come up, it represents a new life in Christ. And this affirms our connection to Christ. And second, we have communion or the Lord's Supper. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. It's something that we're supposed to do uh, purposefully and um, continually, he says, to do it until he comes. It's a proclamation of Christ's death on the cross. And um, we will do this until he comes back someday physically. 
um, communion or the Lord's Supper is extremely important and one of only two. And it's something we're supposed to be purposeful about, which I said, and particularly thoughtful about. And we know this because Paul wrote to the Corinthians about some serious issues that they were having with it. When I was reading this, could you guys feel it? I mean, this was like a heavy letter. These these people reading this in front of the church were like, oh, man, we are in trouble. Um, Paul was – he was writing this letter to say, you guys have this all wrong. It's important, and we're going to fix this. We're going to fix it now, and here's, um, what's, here's what we're going to do moving forward. Um, he is correcting an abuse of the Lord's Supper, which was – at its heart, it was like one of, of inappropriate uh, individualism. It was one of disunity. This church was disunified. They were not together in unity. So when we participate in the Lord's Supper, we, we are engaging in a sacred act of communion with Christ. That is uh, what it is. And it's a way for us to recall the profound meaning of his sacrifice on the cross and to eagerly wait to proclaim until he comes, we're eagerly awaiting his future arrival, and this reminds us of that each time. But as important as it is, we cannot misuse it as the Corinthians did. And they had all these divisions based on wealth and status. Some people were coming and laying out the big spread. Other people were doing the bare minimum. Some people were getting um, you know, offended. Some people were getting uh, demeaned. And it, would, it not only contradicts their behavior, not only contradicts the essence of the Lord's Supper, it contradicts the gospel message, which, which is the message that brings us all together in the first place. Um, it exposes the Corinthians to the possibility of divine judgment and serious business. So I'm going to start out, and I'm going to jump to first, verse 17. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you, and this is where he's starting to lay into them, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part. For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. So when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, one goes ahead with his own meal, one goes hungry, another goes drunk. And then he says, what? In verse 22, what? Paul, it's a one-word exclamation. What in the world are you guys thinking? What is going on? This is serious business, and he's laying into them. Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. In verse 20, he tells them that what they were doing, no matter what they thought it was, was not the Lord's Supper. He said it was not. I'm going to jump forward and read verse 27. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. So let a person examine himself. And he was telling them, you guys are incurring some guilt here, and you have to start paying attention. Now, when it says... Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, he's not talking about the manner in which people are worthy. He's talking about the manner in which they are participating. Um, so their state of personal merit is not what makes them worthy. Nobody is worthy of this except by the, by the work of Christ on the cross. So we are worthy 
but not because of my personal merit. He was saying, you guys are unworthy because of the way you're going about this is, is, is totally disorganized. It's disunified. Um, every, true, every true believer with faith, in, with faith in Christ unto salvation is worthy, but they were still having issues. And the issues were that they were not in unity. So what was going on with them? Some of them were making a pri- making it a private affair. Some of, a, some of them were treating it as like, just like a normal meal, and others were being humiliated. Humiliated, and others were being despised. It's pretty rough. This is a picture of extreme dysfunction. If you think of the church as a family, this is the most dysfunctional family you can picture. Um, can you imagine this at a family meal? You know, someone over here has nothing. Someone over here is eating all they can, getting drunk, and they're getting despised, and they're getting offended. It's, it's a complete and utter mess. Um, you could make a reality show about the Corinthian church. It's a, pic- it's a picture of extreme disunity in what was supposed to be a tightly knit group of people. It was supposed to be a tightly knit group of people. So by failing to discern the body, resulting in severe uh, disunity, they stood in danger of judgment. Back in verse 18, he says, when you come together as a church, I hear there are divisions among you. And this is a problem because unity is the key attribute of the body of Christ. It's the key attribute of the body of Christ. And he's pointedly addressing and repeatedly addressing division because of this unity. In Christ, there should be no disunity. We're supposed to live with each other in complete unity. It sounds impossible, doesn't it? It's just, no, Nobody in the world does this, but Christians have a leg up because we have Christ and Christ in us. Um, so we're supposed to discern, interesting, if only we pay attention. And so this unity, Philippians 2, 2 says, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, by having the same love, being in one spirit and of one mind. That's a tall order, isn't it? Romans fourteen nineteen says, Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. We're supposed to try for this unity. Second Corinthians 13, 11 says, Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. That sounds like something we want, the, the God of love and peace to be with us. 1 Corinthians 1.10 says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and there be no divisions among you, but you be perfectly unified you, you be perfectly united, sorry, in mind and thought. So we're supposed to discern the body. So the Greek word used for discerning in this passage means, interestingly, to discriminate, to separate, or to distinguish between different things. To discern something is to say, this is the thing, this is not the thing. This is the thing. These over here are separate and different. It's to separate and distinguish between different things. And in this context, it's used to convey the idea 
of fully understanding and recognizing the body of Christ for what it is. It's separate and distinct. Sound familiar, right? We talked about this last week. It's defined by a boundary, and that boundary is the work of Christ on the cross. Christ is the point in which you are in or out. So the following, um, this follows this, the theme of our Nehemiah study and Psalm 78 um, that we spoke about last week. When we participate in communion, we have to discern. We have to discern. We have to think about. We have to understand how we're attached to a cohesive group of people called the body of Christ. We have to understand and think about and discern the body of Christ. We're unified by the gospel. We're brought together. We're joined. We're consolidated. We're set apart. Remember this? We're set apart, separate from the world. And the word holy means to be set apart. The body of Christ is supposed to be holy, and we have to think about this. Paul is saying, discern the body. 1 Peter 2, 9, it just says, A reminder said, you are a chosen race, chosen, out of all the races, you are a chosen race. And he's speaking to the church here. A, holy, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. And another um, translation said, you're God's special possession, which I like. That... For a purpose that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So the gospel is what does this. The gospel is this border um, which uh, the church is uh, marked by. We can't truly discern the church. We can't truly discern the body, right? Everybody in this room, all the believers in this room, unless we understand the gospel. This is, this is about the gospel. Start to finish, this is what this is about. And as we take communion, we have to know and understand that the church, the body of Christ has high value. The church has a high value. People are desperate for what we have in, in this room, right? They're desperate to, for what it is, for what it is to live inside the body of Christ. It has high value, and it has high value because it was purchased at great cost. At great cost, this is the gospel. Jesus, who is God, paid the ultimate price, the highest possible price, his own life. And when the Holy Spirit gives a person the faith, they believe in this work of Christ, they're immediately justified, given a righteous and legal standing before God, and they become a member of the universal, of the universal church. They become a member of the body of Christ, Christ is the point in which they are in. And we have to understand and think about this. And so back to verse 29. Paul says that those who partake without discerning the body of Christ bring judgment on themselves. So they have to discern the body while they're partaking. And in verse 31, he said we would not come under such judgment if we were discerning of ourselves. So we're supposed to discern the body and discern ourselves. Discernment is intentional thinking. We like things to be intentional. Discernment is intentional thinking. It's a mental activity, and it happens in our minds that God created. And so, as we're called to repeat the Lord's Supper until he comes, we're instructed to do it in a way that engages our thoughts, that engages our minds in two ways. The first, by paying attention, understanding, grasping, and discerning 
the body, by paying attention to the body of Christ, understanding it and discerning it. Two, paying attention, understanding, grasping and discerning ourselves within the context of the body of Christ. We are not individuals only. We're individuals and we're part of something bigger to us. This is a mental thing. Matthew 22, Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. It's okay to use our minds. It's not all about touchy-feelies in our hearts. This is God made every part of us and he wants us to discern. Discerning the body and ourselves is only possible because the mind of those of us who are our believers or regenerate believers has we've been changed by the lord it's impacted sin has impacted every nature every bit of human nature including our intellect right our intellect our our minds and without the intervention of the holy spirit our thoughts are inevitably futile they're inevitably destructive and extremely selfish however through the transformation brought about us, brought onto us by the gospel, the gospel is what does it, we can actually align our minds with the will of the Lord. And that is the only way that's possible. We can think in accordance with his word, bringing clarity and purpose to our thoughts, and our desires can align with his desires, and it is not possible in any other way. In this way, the Lord's Supper is, pretend, is, um, is intended to be precious. It's intended to be meaningful and it's intended to be a thoughtful ordinance. It's, this is a mental, not only, but we're supposed to think, we're supposed to discern the body of Christ and ourselves within the body of Christ. So when we do this in a minute, we must engage in clear and purposeful reflection. We should take a careful assessment of our part as the whole, of our part of the whole, including the wider view of the body of Christ. That's us in this room, and that's also the universal church. Being instructed to discern both yourself and the church when you participate in the Lord's Supper is an invitation to think. It's an invitation to think, to use our minds to remember the gospel anew, to recall what it did, and have a new... It's paying attention again. Paying attention again. Um, it should help us remember that we're part of something bigger, something extremely important and glorious. We are literally members of Christ. We're members of Christ. If you think about the church as, as his body, which it talks about in the New Testament, we're members of Christ himself. This is why it's important for us to know this. This is something we should know and understand. Um, uh, we read uh, the six, then uh, 1689 had a had a line in there. It said, "To be a bond and pledge of our communion with Him and with each other, we are remembering our bond with Christ and our bond to the person sitting next to you, to you all." And this is something that we remember each time. And so, it's this is another thing that helps us to have what we like to call a redemptive community. And if you flip that page over and look at the top right corner, redemptive community is one of our core values. And we, we don't want to embrace just the contemplation, right? Because we're, we're a little cerebral in this room. Like we, 
we kind of go down that path. That if we we're not big feelers, but we're more thinkers. And um, but this should also bring us extreme amounts of joy. We should have great joy because of what's actually happening here. We're here because Christ is worthy, not that I'm worthy. Christ is worthy, and He has made us worthy. And we're brought in together. We're brought together with each and every one of us, and we've all been justified in his sight. So logically, if someone is not inside the Christian faith, if they're not inside the boundary, which is created by the gospel, right? If they're not a believer, none of this would make any sense to them, and there's no point, there would be no point in a non-believer participating in this. It, It means nothing. You're out, you're outside, you're not in. It would be pointless. The 1689 says in another spot, All ignorant and ungodly persons, as they are unfit to enjoy communion with Christ, are unworthy of the Lord's table and cannot without great sin partake of these holy mysteries to be admitted or to be admitted. It just wouldn't make any logical sense. So this is something for believers because of all the things I've talked about. It's the body of Christ and you're in. This would make sense to you. So if you've not put your trust in the Lord... If you're not putting your trust in Jesus for your salvation, then just observe. Look at the big picture. Look at what we're all doing here together. And look at the belonging and the unity that we have. And think about the great family that you could be a part of, um, if that's you. So, church, this is our family. We are a redemptive community. And it's both beneficial and appropriate to take notice of and acknowledge our brothers and sisters around us. And you can do it during communion. We do not have to hold our, you know, cover my eyes and bow my head and don't look around. That is not what's required here. This is our body, and part of discerning the body is saying, this guy, I like this guy right here. You know, I like Andrew. I know he's a good drummer. And think about him growing in Christ and think about what I can do to help him and how he helps me and encourages me. This can happen, right? This is what this is what this means is we we don't have to contemplate and spiral down in ourselves to the point to where we're like walled off and somehow that's our little box and oh no, I better be, you know, I better not look up and that's that's not what this is about. Um, so it's not just a private inward thing, it's an outward thing that, that involves discerning this discerning this group. If you have an unresolved issue with somebody, right, that's disunity. We want to take care of that. And this reminds us every time, based on the Corinthians, but they really took one for the team here. They, they were extremely disunified, and it got recorded for all history. If we, are, if we have a, a beef with somebody in this room or in, your, in a, a Christian maybe who doesn't go to this church, then we should settle that. We should, we should strive to discern the body by forgiving and repenting where necessary. We should repent where necessary and forgive all the time. Repentance is a gift from God. And Jesus said we should forgive, and then he used math to make a very large number. That means all the time. We, uh, if, if that's you, you can, you can go straight to this person in a discreet, quiet way, or you can abstain until next time. It's fine, and you can you can repent and you can forgive. 
around this table, we're all the lost sheep that have been brought into the fold. And we're only worthy because Christ did the bringing. We would still be wandering around out there getting thorns in our, in our wool and, get, and breaking my leg on the rocks, except Christ said, hey, little sheep, I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to put you inside the fold where you're going to have a body. You're going to have a family that is unlike any family you've ever had before, and it's going to last forever. We're all, that's all of us. We all have our flaws. We all have our issues, but we're brought together by the gospel. So it's okay to look around. It's okay to smile at the people that they that walk past you. This is your family. This is your high-value community. This is a high-value community. We're brought together into one unified kingdom by the good king. And each of us have different backgrounds. We're brought from so many different traditions and cultures. We've got singles and, and non-singles. We've got young and lots of lots of very young, right? A couple very old. We're all different, but we're all united and we're all equal at the foot of the cross. <clears throat> so recognize these people as your own. You are a member of Christ. They are a member of Christ. He is the head. We are his body. We belong together. You belong to them and they belong to you. So let's discern the body. Consider the immense privilege of being embraced into this fellowship and to, into being brought into God's family uh, re- rejoice in the fact that God has made you worthy to come up here and participate in this offer thanks to your heavenly father for his provision of both physical and spiritual nourishment which is what we're going to be doing so as you come forward we're going to start in the back the, the the people come up this way, and when you go back, go back around to your rows. We'll do back row first. Think clearly and purposefully about this church body and about your position within these walls. Not these physical walls, the walls set up by the gospel. And think about and understand the gospel of Christ, which makes it, repo- which makes it possible. Let's feast together, family with hearts of gratitude and reverence, all for the glory of God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this communion, this ordinance, where we ponder, we remember, and we seek to understand, we discern, that we are individuals and that we belong in the larger body of Christ, that we are members of you, Jesus. We thank you for this reminder, and we are in awe of your perfect wisdom to institute this practical, tangible, hands-on, mind-engaging act forever and ever until you come back. Thank you, Jesus, for this church and for the gospel, which uh, has made it all possible. You paid the ultimate price, Lord, and we are grateful. So we proclaim the gospel until you return. May your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.